Hello, friends. This is Ryan. And this is Anthony. And this is a special episode of Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Um, today we are going to be uh, talking about minutes 45 and 46 of the movie, in which Scrooge and Belle have a heartbreaking conversation and Belle sings When Love Is Gone, but we're doing things differently than usual. This is... Uh, a different kind of episode. Uh, well, for a few reasons. For one thing, we looked at the calendar and we realized that assuming we stay on schedule, this will be the latest episode of the podcast before Christmas rolls around, which is relevant because this is a Christmas movie. So if you are listening to this the day it premieres, there will be only five more sleeps till Christmas. So that's exciting. And however you celebrate or don't celebrate or whatever December 25th means to you, um, just I hope that everybody has a great December 25th. Uh, the other thing is that we have an extremely special guest this week. She's actually in the movie. She sings what is probably the most uh, famous and beloved song in the movie. Uh, that's right. It's Meredith Braun who plays Belle. And she is not here right now. Uh, what we decided to do is she's record. Gone. No, she's not here. Look around. When, when when Meredith is gone, we're recording this intro. Ah, good. See, that's what I should have. I should have put that in my notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, what we decided to do is Anthony and I are just going to do this little prologue, and then we're going to uh, bring on our special guest. Uh, so yeah, minutes forty-five and forty-six. Not a whole lot to talk about other than the song. The clip begins right, with Right, it's, it's a dialogue scene and then the song. Yeah, yeah. Scrooge is in the past. He turns around. He sees his younger self uh, having an emotional conversation with Belle. Uh, one behind-the-scenes note that I have in the DVD commentary by Brian Henson, he says that uh, the set that they shot this scene on was very small. The houses in the background are only a few feet tall. And they're about 15 feet behind the actors. So they had to be careful how they moved the camera around so that we, the audience, wouldn't suddenly become aware that we were seeing uh, very small houses pretending to be regular-sized houses. So I assume this is also why there's so many trees uh, at different, different levels from the foreground to the background. There's a lot of trees in this scene. There are. And since we were talking about Muppet Houses... It's too bad that they don't start doing corny jokes like oh, the talking man. houses on the Muppet Show. Yeah, can you imagine this scene with the talking <laughs> houses? In it? Like after the song, if it cut to the talking Dickensian houses, and they would—I don't know—I I can't even come up with a good joke off the top of my head. But um, if anyone out there can suggest a a good joke for uh, Victorian London talking houses, Victorian is that right? Yeah, it's Victoria. Yep. Yeah. Please, please chime in with your jokes. You're talking houses <laughs> jokes. Uh, in the scene, Belle is understandably upset because Scrooge keeps putting off their wedding by another year and another year and another year. Uh, Scrooge is trying to tell her that it can't be helped because they don't have enough money. They don't even have enough for a decent home. I bet they could probably get one of those those little models in the background for a good price, but it's probably not what they're looking for. Uh, he talk- probably could. Right. He's talking about investments, not growing, and so on. Uh, Bell points out that he said the same thing last year, and that's when young Scrooge says, business continues to be poor. For some reason, this line always sticks out in my head. Like, I always sort of anticipate it. 
I don't know. It's not like a super memorable line or you're just, a, you're just a big business continues to be poor head. I guess so. Yeah. Your um, favorite, your favorite line in the movie. Famously, you heard it here first. Folks. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let's put that on a t-shirt and put, put that in our T public store. <laughs> business continues to be poor. Business continues to be poor. Actually that might sell. I'd buy it. I'm okay. not kidding. I would right, 100% so. buy it. Um, yeah, but that's the problem because Belle is just ready to get married because she loves this guy and this guy is just keeps on uh, delaying the wedding because he kind of loves money more. He's just distracted by by money and business. And that's my one kind of note about this for the old curiosity shop. I can oh, just yeah. drop it in right now. Yeah. Um. So n- none of the dialogue in this scene is is straight out of the book. It's uh-huh. very much in the spirit of the scene, which the scene, in the, as I mentioned last week, Belle is introduced in this scene in the book. Like we we don't see her at the party. Okay, right. They just they they just break up. But um in the book, it's the same thing. She's basically saying, like, you love money more than me. We can't get married. But there's one particular bit of phrasing that I love, hmm. which is um, it matters little, she said, to you very little. Another idol has displaced me. And if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do. I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? Scrooge rejoined. A golden one, she said. Uh, oh, it's just like, oh, you love that golden calf. Yeah. Golden calf, Scrooge. Yeah. Belle's not in this story very much, but she really, like, she's a pretty, pretty uh, strong character. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I feel like I've heard that line about a, an idol has displaced me it, in another adaptation. Yeah, it's definitely in some of the adaptations. Yeah, it is it. It might be in the Mister Magoo that I just watched would, would recently. Not, would not would not surprise me at all if it is. Yeah, because yeah. not not every adaptation has Bell. Even I guess most of the right. ones, like the longer ones, do. But right, most of the feature length ones do. Um, but yeah, Mickey's. I mean, Mickey's Christmas Carol does. For heaven's sake, she doesn't say anything. Yes, right. It's right. No, she just kind of cries. <laughs> yeah, she's she's just there. Yeah. Yeah, she might have a line or two, but yeah, I did. I think I think the Mister Magoo one has the the Golden Idol one line. Um, right. Well, and she get, and she sings a whole song there, as we discussed, like she does in this. Movie. Yeah, that's interesting. Sings, we'll probably she winter was warm. Yeah, we'll probably talk about the that even more um, next week. But it's an interesting thing that that they decided to put a song there as well. The makers of that special. Bell says you're a partner in your own firm now. And then I don't think I had ever realized the way he rolls his eyes at her as he kind of stands up and and turns away. Like, what a jerk. (laughs) She's she's trying so hard and she's being so vulnerable and he's just acting like like that's the dumbest thing that she could have possibly said. Right. Yeah. No, he's really being not a good not a good boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Old Scrooge, meanwhile, is watching all of this unfold. Um, He's this is this is really having an effect on him. Um, then this is when young Scrooge tells Belle that he's doing all of this this money stuff for her because he loves her. She says, "You did once," and oh, that's you know here, that's it because now she's she's gonna stand up and she's gonna sing the song, depending on which version you're watching. Because in the theatrical version of the movie, she just stands up and walks away. But we are watching this movie with the song. That song is When Love Is Gone. Uh, we are about, you're about to hear from Meredith Braun, Belle herself, about the song and the scene and everything. 
And then we'll actually have another episode next week where we're going to talk more about it. Um, I don't have anything else interesting to say about it at the moment other than I did kind of, uh, for the first time, watch Scrooge watching Bell, young Scrooge watching Bell in the song. And it is interesting because he kind of, for a long time, doesn't seem to get it. Like, presumably, he hears the words that she's singing. But he's just kind of watching, uh, I don't know, dispassionately for a long time. And then when she actually says the words, right. when love is gone, he walks up behind her and puts his hand on her shoulder, but she just walks away. I think that's when he right. actually realizes, oh, she's Realizes that she's, she's leaving. It's, yeah. it's done. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's good, good staging, good acting. Good singing, obviously. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's all I have before we move into the special guest portion of this episode. Anthony, did you have anything else? No, I'd rather hear from Meredith Brown than from me. So. Yeah, me too. What are we yakking about? So let's yeah. uh, then hand things off to our other selves and uh, our very extremely special guest. Here we go. Hello, moving right along, listeners. This is, as we said in our intro, a very special episode of uh, Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And we do have a very special guest with us today. Guest, if you would please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Meredith Braun. I was Belle in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, What else about me? I'm a mother. I'm a university lecturer. I'm a feminist, just like Belle would be. All right. <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure. And yes, as she said, she, Meredith was in the movie that we're talking about on this podcast. So that's, that's very exciting. So I guess, and so we're talking about minutes 45 and 46. We're also talking about the entire um, character of, of Belle and the role and the song. So uh, I guess it makes sense to start at the beginning, which would be how did you come to play the role of Belle in Muppet Christmas Carol? Uh, I auditioned. Um, I was doing Les Mis in London, Les Miserables in London at the mm. time, playing Eponine. And uh, my agent got me the audition. And I remember it was all very straightforward. I went in and, and I had been given the song beforehand, sang the song, chatted to them and was offered it. It was really straightforward. Okay. Where did you meet Brian Henson at that point? Yes, absolutely. Um, they were lovely. Um, it was also such a nice thing in a sense, in the middle of a show like Les Mis, which is fairly depressing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and certainly, you know, dying of blood all over me and covered in dirt every night was <laughs> an interesting experience. For I did it for nearly two and a half years, actually. Um, wow. But the Muppets, as a contrast, the juxtaposition, it was just, amazing because I've been I've been such a fan I grew up watching the Muppets at six o'clock in in Auckland in New Zealand where I grew up oh sure six o'clock on a uh, on a Sunday every Sunday well religiously I absolutely am such a fan yeah yeah that's great yeah it is you're right um I guess um your your scenes the second scene that you have in the movie is is not so happy but I guess you get to be cleaner no, than you were on stage in Les Mis. <laughs> yes, that's In a true. nice costume, yeah. I guess, yeah, it is It is the saddest part of the movie, but I must admit my career has 
largely been yeah I sort of either people dying or playing a ghost or <laughs> yeah I've died of radiation sickness gunshot wound I've been a ghost um, oh wow so, so you actually I, got off easy in this movie yeah I think there's uh, yeah it was one of my it was definitely my happiest job yeah <laughs> Well, that was that was one thing I wanted to ask about was was Les Mis because so you'd been singing on my own every night for yeah. however long at this time, yeah, over was, a year or something. Well, I was fairly I was nineteen, so I was fairly new into it. I think I started at eighteen. I think yeah, so I wasn't yeah. too long into it. Yeah, but so so you'd been playing one of one of theater's great heartbroken care like like that's like one of the great heartbreak songs. Yeah, right? yeah. Do I have something on my forehead? Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then they call you in for this. Like, did playing Eponine inform your approach to this song at all, or was it just an interesting question? I've not. Um, I, I uh, probably. And being eighteen, nineteen, I'm sure I was as hot. You know, everything's very huge at that age, isn't it? All the emotions are. Right. are and I was the right age to play those things. And fortunately, it, I don't think emotions quite stay that large all through your life. <laughs> you wear out, but um. Huh. Uh, yeah, it, it was because Eponine is a is a what they call a belt voice role, and um, so so when I first went in, it's very very tiring. Eight shows a week of that, um, I imagine. And so. I sure. and I think vocally, I was quite tired as well because so you lose bits of your range. I mean, I went on later and studied legit and did you know Christine and Phantom and stuff, so hmm. I know all kinds of singing. But at that point. I suppose my voice was at a place where it was it was working really hard and I and I actually can sort of I can I think that's right for the sound of the song too it was it was it was very clear to me straight away how to sing the song hmm. you know there was no sort of it wasn't it wasn't hard I mean it's a it's a gorgeous song and fantastic lyrics that just make the acting through song and the journey and the narrative so straightforward um it's a dream for an actress to, to do because it's it's all there you're not trying to add layers on to make up for something it's all there right and, um, so it was always really clear uh and and we were all in agreement it was it was just a lovely experience wow that's great um so I guess you recorded the song in the studio before filming any of your mm-hmm. part in the movie yeah yeah, so we was that in. Paul Williams was there? We've seen some some behind the scenes footage of that Paul Williams, and and you actually recorded with Michael Caine. Yes, yes, that's right. And I think it was the first time he'd sung. Yeah, in, in he's talked about how yeah he was I, I guess a little in, intimidated because he wasn't <laughs> a singer, and here you were this professional oh, he, musical he theater being, person. He was being an absolute gentleman. I mean, he really was. It couldn't be. He just made me feel so comfortable. And he was he was a laugh and he was incredibly supportive. I mean, charming, charming, totally charming. And and my goodness, he can cry just like that. Boom. I've never oh, seen sure. it. Yeah, just boom. And it's real. And it's wow. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was just in awe. But I have to say I was probably more starstruck by the Muppets themselves, like at the first read through. Um, oh yeah, sitting around this huge table. My memory of it, maybe because I felt very small, I don't know. But there was this huh. huge table, a sort of, <laughs> you know, like Putin sits at the very long end of the table. It felt like that, <laughs> but it was surrounded by people. Not obviously not Putin. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'd have felt as relaxed. That's for sure. Um, right. And I might have had a bit more to say because certainly in this, <laughs> I was starstruck and suddenly because. The actors, they you know, they look like normal people, but the read-through starts and suddenly 
they're these voices of the these characters I grew up with and right. I, I missed every cue I missed everything because huh. I just didn't know what to do I, I was just five again right know? right so presumably sure. none of them were at the audition because no, they're no. not really in those scenes so much yeah so you just yeah, you heard their voices for yeah. the first time at the read through I don't think Miss Biggie would deign to be at auditions <laughs> right no no, no. <laughs> Miss Biggie never has to audition no no she wouldn't no she's too yeah. busy so yeah, you don't really get to interact with the Muppets a lot on screen. You do have a little a little part of a scene with Fozzie. What was that like working with with Frank Oz as Fozzie? <laughs> it was great. Um, the, I, I only realized recently that because um, <laughs> the Muppets are so you're walking on kind of tracks, and there the puppeteers are in a in a kind of gully. Yeah, we were interested to know about the staging of that scene too, the party, because they're human actors and Muppets dancing on the same dance floor, which we don't, we obviously don't see the actual floor, but. No, and so there's kind of routes you have to go, tracks you follow, they're in a gully in between. So, so in between takes, I know where I say, of course, Fozzie is at, the actor Fozzie, we've got puppeteer, but the actor Fozzie is being Fozziewig. Right. Fozziewig playing, Fozzie playing Fozziewig. Yeah. So in between takes, um, of course, you'd chat with Fozzie, not the puppeteer. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So the takes were normal. I realized that I just assumed that was absolutely normal. So I would have a chat and I have a fairly low cut dress on at that point. And Fozzie, I do remember Fozzie flirting. Um, (laughs) And which was quite disconcerting when I'd grown up with. (laughs) watching them but it was just normal it was just there were actors on the set and and the puppeteers didn't come into it they weren't they would take it was method pure method right um, and then he went back into character as Fozziewig uh (laughs) and I I've only realized recently that that may not be completely normal well I mean we do hear that from people who have worked with the Muppets that they just kind of stay in character as long as they have that puppet on their hand genius because they're, they're playing truth yeah why it works. And it's actually yeah. so interesting what you're talking about to think that between takes, Fozzie Wig would drop the character, or Fozzie Bear would drop the character of Fozzie Wig, but he would be Fozzie Bear. Yeah. While Frank Oz is underneath him. Yeah. Playing Fozzie. He didn't come into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a whole yeah. different, no, different no. levels of reality. Yeah. And I, I think it's normal, but that's the life of an actor. It's very strange. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I guess doesn't everyone do that? I mean, you just you know. never know. Yeah. So, so, so did you ever talk to Frank outside of outside of the character of Fozzie? Briefly, I'm sure. Did you interact with him? I, don't, I don't remember yeah. the detail, but I'm sure. They were just they were lovely. I was I remember being really disturbed at the end of the day filming because they'd hang the puppets up on hooks, you know. Oh yeah. And and I was like, well, we've been chatting all day. How can we I can't we should be going for a drink, you know. <laughs> yeah. That must well, be strange to see your coworker yeah. hung up on a peg. <laughs> Although, <laughs> sorry, there may be some that I would like that to have happened to, but sadly not <laughs> once. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, your other scene, Gonzo and Rizzo are in it, but again, you don't really interact. No, with them. I don't see. The, no, I can't see them. Can I? It's like, um, I yeah, I'm distraught. <laughs> yeah. Or I just don't know. Right. Right. That. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want. Why did I not notice the rat? Well, yeah, the, this is something that we've kind of 
noticed or talked about as we've been going through the movie, like Gonzo and Rizzo don't really seem to be able to interact with anyone who's in the story. They're the narrator, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. It's a good point. I never questioned it. And I this is the first time I've thought about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Office is just the gift that keeps on giving, seriously. It really is. Certainly in my life it has been. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. The other thing I was wondering about in that scene is, so Raymond Coulthard plays young Scrooge mm-hmm. and obviously then Michael Caine ends up singing with you as, mm-hmm. as old Scrooge, as, as regular Scrooge. Did, did you work together with the two of them to make it like a consistent relationship or was there any interaction between the two of them that you know of? No, characterization no I, it's funny. Cause um, Raymond's a, a husband of a, a good friend of mine who I did Les Mis with. She oh. uh, was my um, fun team. When I was up no so you already I knew each other. I know, I know Jenna. Of. I knew Jenna well, but I didn't. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, through that, and then so there, I mean, well, it's a small world, isn't it? Um, no, I don't know of that. I played. Well, I mean, obviously, we rehearsed Raymond and I, and then um, I can't explain it that it was just so um, obvious. It was so straightforward. They made so much sense together. And I guess I guess yeah. they must have, but I wasn't party to that. But it, they just morphed. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, another one of our, our friends, when we mentioned that we would be speaking to you, wanted to know about the costumes. You have yeah two two very uh, uh, cool Dickensian costumes. Do you do you have any any memories about the first time you saw those? Or? Yeah, I mean they're lovely, aren't they? And they're very, um, very well designed. Yeah. I do still have if I have I have a couple of mementos from it, and I have oh. there was a, a little Brian made had these um little brass statues of of Kermit holding Tiny Tim, uh, made uh, hmm. which were beautiful. I've got one of those, and I also took the under dress okay. under the costume, and so I have that. I still have that in a drawer, and it's very um, Dickensian. But it's it's it always made me feel, and I've sort of I've wore it years since, like some extravagant kind of ninety, you know, feeling. It was it's huh. fantastic to have it. That's now obviously really quite old, but um, even even that detail of the what went underneath was made beautifully. Yeah, yeah, and I guess to just to make it as accurate as possible to add to the and the Dickensian feel. Yeah, I wow. no one still have that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have a, a, just a couple scenes, but really Belle is kind of one of the most important characters. And there's some of the most important scenes in Scrooge's arc. Was that intimidating at all? Were you thinking about it that way at all? No, I I didn't. I wasn't intimidated. I think, I mean, doing Lim is the time helped. And, oh, and sure. And, and sure. I was sort of used to, to doing, I, I'd worked in theater and television and music theater since I was five. Um, so it's more oh. normal to me than you know I didn't I was really a little bit dim in that doing a a movie like that that's a Christmas movie it never occurred to me at the time that it would come back every year right that sounds a bit thick but um it was a surprise (laughs) yeah and it seems to got bigger and bigger and bigger you know oh yeah that we've been talking about that where it it's it was so smart for them to do a Christmas movie at that time because it started out you know, I think it did pretty well when it came out, but then it, now it's just this, everyone watches it every year. It's such a classic. Everybody loves it. Yeah. And it was Brian's first um, movie yeah. after his dad died. And so it was a big, big deal 
but we were all just I think that's why everybody just put everything into it and did it with such oh apologies if something just went beep um some computer somewhere I um I think everyone wanted it very very much to be really really good right um, as Michael Caine I know sort of said he you know play everything for real and I think that's why it works so well that it's not a pastiche of anything I mean although of course (laughs) they are actors telling the story of Christmas Carol, which is a brilliant story. Um, and the yeah, honesty and yeah. integrity that the whole company put in of telling that story truthfully, I think is why it, it lasts. Yeah, it's just such a good balance of adapting the Dickens story and making a funny Muppet movie. Isn't it? I know. Yeah. And great music. Were you familiar with the Dickens book before the movie? Had you read it? Yes, yes. I had to um, study hard times in Christmas Island things at school. Um mm. But I, I find British politics a bit dis- Dickensian at the moment. I, everybody huh. seems, you know how the names are always sort of indicative of the character in Dickens. Yes, yeah. Um, and and we seem to have that in politics at the moment. You know, if James Cleverly is education secretary and all that kind of stuff, um, <laughs> <laughs> gets worse. Believe me, um, <laughs> I won't go into some of it. Um, but I think. That also works for the Muppets, doesn't it? Because Fozzie Bear or Gonzo, they're, you know, oh, the words sound like the characters. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Gonzo for sure. I mean, that, that kind of tells you a lot about his personality right there. Even Rolf, even Rolf or Stadler and Waldorf. Rolf, you know, yeah. they just yeah. perfectly, the names fit. And that that is Dickensian. But yes, of course, the story used to terrify me as well <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit scary that yeah the little ghost is quite scary yeah well and this is yeah they they didn't really hold back this this is a pretty scary adaptation the ghosts and everything <laughs> yep it is <laughs> could happen yeah. to us all <laughs> right uh so the Very song um you talked about uh, auditioning with it hearing it for the first time mm-hmm. but this th- this is possibly the the most famous or most um beloved song from the movie um of course there is the the controversy of it being sometimes there sometimes not do you remember when you first found out that it was going to be cut from the theatrical Um, release yes brian contacted me and said how gutted he was and didn't want it to happen um but it was an executive apparently that same i've just learned recently that same executive wanted to cut part of your world from I think that's right, Jeffrey Katzenberg at Disney. Yeah, Yeah. so um, Mm -hmm. he was, he was, he was, but he insisted that it wasn't, it was cut from the theatrical release at the time, but not all the other versions. Right. And um, it didn't, because I didn't see it being a thing that came back every year, it didn't, I mean, I just went on to my next job. I did Sunset Boulevard after that. Sure, um, yeah. You know, I, it, it wasn't, I think Brian was, you know, was more almost more upset than me at the time because mm. I didn't really um, hadn't thought of the consequences, and I was very young as well. Um, and I do think it's I didn't realize that the film footage had been lost, and that's why it wasn't put. I, I've only right. realized this recently that it, you know, it is the the film footage and why it wasn't officially put back in because they didn't have the actual like material right yeah my understanding is that it was it was on the vhs release but they had lost Mm. the original yes uh material so it couldn't be remastered and in high definition and all that but but through the years so many people kept 
I mean, and more and more people were saying, you know, they'd, they'd watch the movie, stop it, and then watch it on YouTube or get out their VHS and the right. on YouTube and watch it on VHS and then carry on the movie. You know, it was, um, and then there was that sort of campaign to put it back in. And then I heard they had people on it for a couple of years, didn't they, to find the, the, the footage. And it's coming back this 11th of December. Yes, yes. We heard that it will be put back on Disney Plus. So, yeah. Yeah. Who, Very exciting. I, mean, I- I, I think by the time this episode comes out, it will be back on Disney. Oh, okay. Plus, right? okay. Yes. Yeah. Within the, yeah, like a week or two uh, before the time that this episode will be released. I yeah. see. Well, yeah, I know. And, and every time they do a kind of concert version or a sing along, you know, I've, I've been at the, been a guest at Leicester Square when they do the sing along on mm. things like that, which is quite fun. Um, that is surreal singing the song along with yourself. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. That's kind of weird, but um, it's weird because you remember every breath and every mm. oh, the, how does that it just stays in there somehow. And I, huh. I actually used the song um, more recently on an album of uh, 2017, I think it came out called "When Love Is Gone." Right. It's, um, in a song cycle, so it's a story, uh, and it 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 worked perfectly. So I, I had I re I arranged the song differently. Oh. Um, and it tells a different story, but um. It was lovely to be able to do that with it as well. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. And it, yeah, it must be especially um, surreal, as you said, because as you were saying, you weren't necessarily thinking of it as being something that people would watch every year. No. <laughs> and now it's become such a such a tradition. Yeah. I've done a few other things, but it's that. I, it's really funny at the university. I teach um, at the University of Chichester and uh, mm-hmm. it's so often the students at the moment, the new students are going, Okay, you've done all that, but the Muppet and the Deputy Vice <laughs> Chancellor came out to me and they're going, I knew you'd done all this, but the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you don't even have to tell people. People just figure it out. It comes every Christmas. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, no, I don't say. Sure. They've they they, they they've been watching the movies since they were a kid, fired yeah. up, and they're like, oh, that's that's my professor. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Like, yeah, it's really sweet. I don't mind. Of course, my children grow up with it as well. And, and, um, my youngest tiger, who's uh, we actually played the cello on that album, um, on that song, which oh, is, wow. is, is um, he's a keys player now, actually at Trinity. But um, yeah, it's really it has it has a history, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, uh, and you also recorded Rainbow Connection for an album. Yes, in English and in French. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, wow. at the end of that album is the uh, sort of the B side. Okay. Had a French translation that really suits French. It's very. Huh. So Vanessa parody. I'll <laughs> definitely have to, yeah. to seek those out. Yeah, we'll we'll put some links in the, the show notes <laughs> of this episode to this. Oh, yeah, um, yeah and then that's right. And another uh, song that Paul Williams worked on. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. I um absolutely as many as I can. They're just gorgeous. Oh yeah. I just I just feel five or six when I you know it's lovely. Sure. Who doesn't want to feel like that watching a Christmas movie? You know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we asked some of our friends if they had any questions to ask you. And yeah. I want to I, I want to make sure that I get the exact uh, question. Our friend Wilson here, he says the West End production of Sunset Boulevard was probably something of a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to share about that? What does he know? Um, <laughs> yes, I loved listening to that part of, in Patty Lapone's audiobook. I don't know if you've heard it. She's held it brilliantly. Um, she was amazing. It was a roller coaster. Uh, you know, it had 
I was 21. It had four principals. Three were American and me doing my best American accent. Hmm. Um, And, I mean, Patty was a joy to work with. Absolutely not a diva, just incredibly hardworking and passionate. Sure. But, um, yeah, we had a few things happen. My, my, I just got married as well. And my, um, he's now he's father of two of my children, but he's um, my ex-husband. But he, we were recently married and, and he took, he was nearly, he was beat, nearly beaten up during the show Whoa. Um, by Whoa. one of the cast members. I won't say who. Huh. Uh, and then we were suddenly sent on holiday. And then, of course, the news for Patty about L.A. came during the show, which was a pretty, by fax, which was pretty awful. Um, the news, the yes. news that she wasn't going to play it on Broadway, right? Yeah, came during uh, the show. Wow. By fax. And it was a horrible way to learn something yeah. like that. And right. um, yeah. totally, un- uh, I, you know, the, the, the stuff that goes on behind is so many there were so many important people involved in it, I think, and a lot of egos and, um, uh, you know, a really established creative team. And I, I, I just, you know, I was 21. I remember sort of hiding in my dressing room, eating lots of ice cream, uh, <laughs> comfort sure. ice cream. Um, it, you know, they, they were great to work with and it's it, fantastic orchestrations. I mean, the, it's, it's a, <laughs> the joke is always, well, you know, when am I ready to play Norma Desmond? But um, I'm not there yet. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I but, saw the Broadway revival of that a few years ago. It's it's not the, the movie. Yeah. yeah, the movie is not something that you would think necessarily would lend itself to a musical, but it it does. Like it works really well. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I remember seeing Glenn Close when she first played it on Broadway um, way back. And, and, and she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting show, isn't it? I think it's it's one of I think it's certainly one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's best musically, and it's 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 interesting. Yeah. But it was a it was a huge budget. I mean, so much money into it on every level. Was there a car driving on stage in your production? Uh we had the car chase. Oh. Yes, we had the wow. car. Okay. We did have the car. And I remember yeah. there was an arch that got ditched just before the opening night that was worth about 50 grand. Mm. You know, everything down to all my shoes were handmade for me in Italy. And, wow. uh, you know, I've, I've still got wow. It looks like I've kept something from each production. Um, yes, Aww. I've got everything built. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, and there was a headdress that disappeared in previews as well because it was a little bit over the top. Um <laughs> So there was a lot at stake, I think, and a lot of emotions flying sure. everywhere. Uh, it was, it's it's funny, isn't it? You get the dream role, and I remember auditioning I, while I was in Miz, and everybody auditioned, everybody on the planet. <laughs> and, sure. and I went up for it quite early and then didn't hear anything for about three or four months and assumed nothing had happened and then was suddenly called back on a, a very short list. Hmm. You know, it was, so it was, and uh, yes, there were quite a lot of ambitious understudies, and I'm uh-huh. not a terribly competitive person. I'm competitive uh-huh. with myself, but not with other people. So that was a bit frightening. <laughs> sure, sure. Wow. Yeah. Funny, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. We really appreciate. Yes. <laughs> no, pleasure. I, it's a good question. Yes. And listen to Patty's Patty's book because she she oh, yeah. very well. She does have her. Memorial wing of her house, I believe. Mm. Huh. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely check that out. She's great. Yeah. So I guess before we we mentioned um, before we started recording, there are three questions we usually ask our guests. Before we get to that, is there anything else that we haven't asked you about the Muppet Christmas Carol that you would like to talk about? Anything people don't usually ask you about? Hmm, good question. Any of, anyone um, who worked on the movie that that you have some interesting stories about? Well, I I do. I remember seeing somewhere on oh, oh one of the social media things somewhere saying that Belle would have ended up as a suffragette. Ah. She would have left yeah. yeah. a suffragette and actually fought. And I I I thought that was a really nice review. Yeah. And whoever wrote that, I'm very grateful because I think that is true. That's how I think she's strong and she's making a difficult decision, but she's being, you know, um acknowledging it and moving on without not without denying how painful it is and I think that's why the song resonates for so many people that it's the acknowledgement of something very sad that was precious but that you have to leave behind and and I guess that's pretty universal yeah that's interesting because yeah Belle like you say she's sad about it but it's like that's enough she's she can't wait around for Scrooge anymore so she's no I wish I wish I'd behaved like her all my life yeah so I should have taken a leaf out of her her book but yeah yeah we relate we relate to the journey and that's so well told in there isn't it with the lyrics and the the scene yeah oh that's really interesting I just like to push Belle as a suffragette really yeah yeah no I I love that uh, interpretation (laughs) I think that's great yeah. So, okay. The, the three questions then, um, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? So if you might have an interesting answer for this one, uh, Leicester square, the opening, there was a premiere. Yeah. 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 That's yep. cool. My mom came with me. Oh, that's Aww. nice. Yeah. That's great. Um, and then, um, do you watch this every year around the holidays? Uh, you see, I I normally hear it every year around the holidays. Sure. Um, somebody will be playing it, but I don't. I must admit, until the, till last year, I hadn't actually sat down and watched the whole thing through for. A, I couldn't remember the last mm. time. Um, I mean, I'd seen bits of it, but and it was rather good. Yes, <laughs> it is I, good. Uh, I was really sort of taken with it. And yeah, I watched it with with uh, my son Tiger and daughter Claudia. And we were just like, actually, this I think sometimes when you think sort of think it's no normal and you hear bits of it, you I haven't done that. And I was really impressed with the mm. storytelling through the whole whole of it. I will I will be watching it again this year with them. Oh nice. Aww. So so what made you decide to to sit down and watch it last year after all that time? I there were um there were I did do an interview uh, here for a radio station that was saying that it was going to, that they were trying to find it and put it back in. There was a kind of a a campaign building. Um, And so there was a few things that were going on and I I thought I probably should, (laughs) to be honest. And it was lovely. And I was just so, it's like, you know, it's a bit like going to see Phantom again or or Miz and going, Oh, they're rather good. And that's why they've been going such a long time. (laughs) Right. There's a reason it's a classic. But when you see it from the inside, you sort of see your journey through it. And you stop having the full audience experience. And I think it's long yeah. past now that I can have that experience, that I don't feel, you know, I'm, I can look at it from the outside too. Right. Yeah. You're watching sure. it more as an audience member. Yeah. And as a fully fledged adult. Yeah. 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 That's interesting too. Your <laughs> right, perspective right, changes right. on the characters yeah. and all that. Hmm. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. And so, so then that sort of ties into the, the next of our uh, standard questions, which is where would you rank it alongside the other Muppet movies? This is often the hardest question for our guests. That's a very easy question. The best one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> of, course. of course. But my, my, my second favorite would be the original Muppet movie where Kermit, oh, yeah. Kermit's sitting on the log. I yeah. mean, it's because it's that's when I was introduced and, and that's maybe why I recorded Rainbow Connection as well. So oh, that, sure. that holds a very dear, I love the cycling and the, you know. Um, yeah. And I have to say uh, moments though, which is the one with, am I a man or a Muppet? That, oh, the, was that one's called The Muppets, yeah, from 2011. Yeah, I, I love that song. Right. Um, I, yeah, have been known to torment people by singing that one quite a lot. <laughs> Well, and um, that's the first time aww. the Muppets won an Oscar for best song. Finally, ah, with that song, with that yeah. song. I see. Right. It. Rainbow Connection that. was nominated, but did not win. I didn't know that. You see, and I do have all of the. I have the DVDs of the whole of the Muppet Show mm. episodes because you know the. I mean, the when Bernadette Peters, you know, came onto the Muppet Show. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know that that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of yeah. great. Broadway people and old school yeah. entertainers on that show. And yeah. it came out of Children's Television Workshop, you know, obviously, and, and Sesame Street. And what a good thing is that doing? I mean, how much good has that done in the world? Yeah. It's incredible, you know, literacy and numeracy and <laughs> the count. Um, <laughs> how wonderful to create something that does so much good. Yeah. Yeah. So much, sure. so much Muppet yeah. stuff has done so much good. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm delighted and honored to have any association with it at all, to be completely honest. Yeah, that's great. Uh, All right, then I guess um, we can wrap up. I'll just do my usual outro spiel here. Um, Listeners, you can find toughpigs.com online and on all the usual social medias. Anthony is on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. I'm on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. I'm on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. Uh, Meredith, where can people find you or your work or anything online that you might? Uh, like my website is meredithbrawn.co.uk. All right, we'll um, link to and that. And I think there's Meredith Braun online as well. That all, all the things seem to have appeared that I've ever done, and I'm okay. not quite sure how they've appeared, but they have. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And so, uh, yeah, we'll be sure to link to that and make sure people can find your albums and all that. Yep. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. This has been uh, delightful. My pleasure. It's lovely to meet you. And uh, oh, listeners, happy Christmas because it'll so be much. closer to Christmas, won't it? This it point. will be. This is actually yeah, uh, yeah. This Merry will be Christmas. The the most recent episode that comes out before Christmas. So yes, Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Merry Christmas uh, to our guests. <laughs> Thank you all. so much for being with us. And uh, listeners, join us back again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>